And welcome back in another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. PGA Tour rolls along here. We're in Texas, AT&T, Byron Nelson. And then next week, we've got a major championship, PGA championship back on the East Coast, Kiwa Island. Can't wait to see that. And uh, well, back on popular demand. It was about a year ago. We started the Stripe Show podcast and this gentleman came on and was talked to us uh, about his players, a little bit of instruction, and we got him back. And I don't even recognize him because he's sitting at home right now. Usually he's on the road with all of his players. Justin Parsons, uh, thank you for joining me once again. How you doing? Great to see you, Travis. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you know, nice to be doing this from home. I, you just arrived from a from a quick trip with to work with Louis Eustazen for a couple of days. And, um, yeah. and you, thank you for getting me squeezed in. Yeah, l- let's start with Louis because uh, I saw that first off. I saw I saw that video yesterday when he was uh, doing that funny little short game shot. Louis quite the character, isn't he? He's 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 got a personality on him, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. We were, you know, we were hitting balls at Ocala yesterday, and his caddy uh, Vinant had sent a, a message. He wasn't hitting it so good, and I asked to send the video through, and then that was kind of Louis's way of uh, <laughs> giving him an idea as to what he was, his golf swing looked like. So there were there were lots of things moving, and nothing was really moving in the right direction, as you could see from his taking the swing. But he's playing good golf. I mean, 26 at the Masters. They finished second at uh, at the Zurich. He was eighth at Valspar. I mean, he's he's playing some good golf right now, as his partner, Charles Schwartzel, is uh, as well. You know, everybody loves Louis Ustase and Swing. You ask that casual golfer, my audience, name some of your favorite swings. Louis is on the short list. They love Louis Ustase's swing. I do this thing on my platform Instagram at Travis Fulton Golf. We call it feel versus real, right? And it's like, here are some feelings that are popular when you're fixing certain things. You're trying to get a player to do certain things. Are there any feels that uh, are present with Louie that you kind of find y- yourself or maybe he goes back to? You know, with with Louie, a lot of times, if, if we're trying to introduce something that he's taking on board and he, he's beginning to understand, he'll almost always put it back into his setup position. He'll almost always go back in and say, okay, I feel like if, if I set up like this, I'll be able to do the thing that you want to do. And I think, you know, for those of you at home thinking about, you know, swing feels and, and thoughts and things like that, you know, if you're looking for a bigger shoulder turn or a bigger hip turn or, you know, maybe a slight change in your posture, maybe a slight change in your stance width, maybe a slight change to your grip pressure, little things in your setup can often lead to, you know, bigger things along the way. So with Louie, and a lot of times, you know, if we, you know, work on giving him like we we did in the last couple of days, a little bit more depth into his, into his trail hip, you he'll say, okay, if I stand like this, then I feel like I can do the thing that you're asking me to do. And, you know, frequently he also talks about, you know, hitting a shot and it was, was it too fast or too slow? And of course he's got that fantastic rhythm. And I think he stays aware of his rhythm and aware of his setup position, probably more so than, than a lot of players I've ever, I've ever worked with. You know, rhythm kind of is lost, isn't it? A little bit in the modern game, as far as instruction, you don't hear a lot of the, you don't hear that word a ton, right? You hear, you, you do, sorry to stop but You do if you're, if you were in my golf lesson. So you if you're in your golf lesson, lot. you'll hear it. Yeah. But yeah. I just think in general, you're out there in social media and like the buzzwords of, um, change of knee flex, flexion in the lead wrist, rotation, spine angle, right? Those are words that you would hear, rhythm, tempo, maybe not as much, at least from my perception, just in general. But on your lesson, T, those are things, in particular, Louie, I mean, the guy's rhythm and tempo is probably second to none, at least in, in my eyes. 
you know, he's he was he certainly he was somewhat born with that. You know, watching Ernie Els coming up through Ernie's programs. You know, Ernie also has one of those most beautiful kind of oily rhythms with great balance. Mm -hmm. And and that's really, you know, that's to many ways, that's the, the glue that keeps a golf swing together. You know, Harris English and I talk about that an awful lot. The, you know, his his balance, the way that he commands the golf club, commands the space, you know, around uh, which he's working, whether it's the teeing area or the fairway. And, you know, I think when you, when you ask players to do those sorts of things, rather than giving them something extremely intricate and very technical, you know, it's something a little bit more artistic, um, a little bit more creative, and maybe something that has a has a more like it's one whole part rather than one piece of uh, a part of something. And I think that that can oftentimes be very helpful for an for an athletic style of player. Yeah, I like that. Rather than like a position, it's mm -hmm. the position is part of a of a bigger picture per se, right? In a maybe yeah. a shape or a pattern or an idea. No doubt. And I also, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times that, you know, a position is created in a golf swing and the position is probably created a lot. You know, it could be created a little bit after the feeling of what you're doing, uh, which is what's created it. So, mm -hmm. you know, whether the muscles are moving at the time that you take the camera shot or the time you, you know, you stop the takeaway and say, oh, here's where your golf club is. Well, you know, a lot of times, you know, what's happened or what you're looking at is, has actually happened a little bit before uh, relative to the player's feelings. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to another player um, that you've worked with on the other side, Brian Harmon, um, who's playing very consistent golf right now. I'm looking at his finishes, third at the players, 12th at the Masters, 13th at RBC, 18th um, at Wells. When I, when I think of Brian Harmon and I watch his swing, the first thing that jumps to me is that first movement of the club head. I mean, he's a player who always, as far as I know, is in looking back, even back when he was in Georgia, um, he picks the club head up quick, right? Mm -hmm. That club head kind of works up quick, and then it's a turn, and then obviously he brings it through. And he's got kind of, you know, not oily, but he's got very good rhythm as well. His short game, we know, is just off the charts good. But this first movement, Justin, when you watch a guy pick the club head up like that, what are some things that that you're doing with him maybe kind of around that move that he has to make sure that he does because of that abrupt upward movement of the club head? Well, it's, it's funny you should say from a more, you know, going into from other players, I think of Fred Couples, Lee yeah. Trevino, uh, you know, Donnie Willett, late set, or excuse me, early set, late pivot. Kenny Perry. Kenny Perry, I think when Rory McIlroy's probably swinging at his best, he's got, you know, he gets the golf club up in front of him and then he really has a lot of late rotation. I think that a lot of that late rotation can can seep into your ground forces and the amount of vertical and horizontal torque you can get going in transition. So, you know, it's it's certainly a very elite players kind of move. If you can get the club set up the plane a little bit, I think it's a great it's a great move for short game as well. In Brian's case, you know, he'll he'll have a tendency to perhaps get a little bit weaker with his top hand grip, with his right hand grip, of course, as a left hander. And if he if he sets a lot of loft on it with that early move, sometimes then the face gets a little open, which causes him to slow his body down through the uh, through the delivery, and because he has to kind of square it with his hands. So we will look at not so much changing, but just you know mentioning to him from time to time, and he'll. Funny, he he mentioned to me just before uh, before he went off to Charlotte recently. He said, you know, I feel like I, I, if I just keep a little bit less loft on it, you know, one of his feels is to sometimes sense that the grooves on the golf club are facing the floor as it's working through that kind of, 
you know, halfway back horizontal to the floor position. So, you know, again, going back to those fields, he never, you know, he never really gets the golf club closed like that, but just his, his sensation with that is to, is to feel it that way. And then if I see it on video where the, with the toes just a little bit more forward, it, you know, it tends to, to, to keep that strength in the face and allow him to, you know, to put the, put the afterburners on. Cause he's got a great, he's fantastic rotation through the ball and mm-hmm. he can, uh, he can go ahead and then, you know, really get going after it. Yeah. So you work it up, but don't rotate the face open. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I mean, you can do that around the green, but in the full swing that can get detrimental as you're saying, cause then he, then he has to slow his body down and use his hands too much through the impact 100%. zone. So, um, and that's, you know, it's interesting. There's two things in my head right now. I'll start with just to the amateur player. The inside takeaway, the club head gets behind the hands quick. That's like fingernails on the chalkboard for me. And we know it's just a bad, you know, it's a snowball that just kind of gets bigger and bigger, right? Because they have to then overcome from it. And we know what happens from there. So well, I, you're I oftentimes. Agree. I mean, it's, it's difficult, you know, when you're in, in our world where, you know, certainly from my perspective, there is no one way to swing the golf club. But mm-hmm. within that approach, there are certainly some blueprints that you want to kind of, you know, move away from if the player. And certainly for me, that's one of the big things. I mean, I really, you know, when you think of the amount of golfers we could name and the amount of golfers who've played really, really elite level golf with the club head way behind their hands in the in the backswing daily uh fantastic talent you could probably argue that consistency wasn't something you know nancy lopez played from underneath there ray floyd played from underneath there i struggle to find that many people i mean there was a lot of conversation a few years ago you know jack nicholas that he it was a deep movement with you know with the club and the hands moving inside Mm -hmm. and you see that a lot and and uh and really elite level players. But I think what you and I are referring to is that kind of rolling behind yeah. takeaway, which, yeah, I, I, I fingernails on the chalkboard. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> and, and it's funny. I was speaking in um, Mississippi yesterday to the Gulf States PGA, and we were talking about the inside takeaway. And I was saying I, the dimension that so many miss is the club head needs to work up, right? Like the club head's got to work up. And, and I think they know it's got to be out in front of him, but it oftentimes, I'm, you know, the perception is low. I'm taking it back low and low can get in and then they get any hands going. Now the, now it's in and open or in and shut or, and it's just like, you, you got to get the club head working up. I would rather generally speaking, see that club head a little bit more out and up too much than in behind them. And, and then oh, from there absolutely. they can, now they can make that deep turn, as you mentioned with Rory, which I think is a, is a great segue to him is I, when I watched Rory last week, the club head was so much more out in front of him going back mm-hmm. and out up and out in front of him. It was, it was crazy. I'm talking six, seven inches more out in front of him versus, yeah. you know, dipping inside. So I think your point with his is well noted. And he certainly, he certainly got back on track last week with that. He did. He did. I mean, moving towards that, you know, feel that he had of fading the ball, you know, having, you know, I've known Rory since he was 12 years old and, he always, you know, always drew it pretty good. And, you know, some of the times, even when he was at his, you know, his absolute best, you know, hopefully his best is still yet to come. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he felt like he hit a fade shot, it really came out of the barrel pretty straight because he's, you know, he's got naturally got a lot of, you know, got a lot of right to left tendencies in his, uh, in his golf swing. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, you know, we texted uh, on Sunday, Monday, and, um, you know, I'm just thrilled for him. It's lovely to see him there with, with his wife, Erica, and his little girl as well on uh, Mother's Day. I'm sure that was very special for him. He's an entertainer, man. You, you got to get people out there. When you're when you're Tiger and you're Rory and, you know, I mean, they, people are flying around to see you. They fill them up with energy, you know, and that's 
it, it had to be weird for him. And even when Tiger was, you know, healthy to be out there and there's no one around, like there, there people are, you know, swarming to get in, in front to see them. So, um, you know, he, it was cool to see him get back and just be so appreciative to the people because you could see how much it meant to him to have the crowd filling him up with energy and, and probably keeping his blood going, keeping him focused all the way down the stretch, which he needed to because that drop may have won yeah. the tournament for him to take that drop. And, you know, and Harry, you got to give some credit to Harry Diamond there, you know, to, you know, the conversation, yeah. you know, they had and, and then for him to encourage Roy to hit that shot. And then, you know, Harry got some bad press, but I've known, again, I've known Harry since he was a, you know, very young man and, and he's a terrific golfer. Mm-hmm. Pretty much always was, moves the club well. Um, and I, I think he did, he did a fantastic job learning the ropes of a pretty difficult, you know, pretty big high-pressure job. And he learned it pretty quickly. And he's um, he's certainly a great asset to Rory McIlroy as he moves into the second half of his career. Yeah. You know, I want to take you to a, a, a topic and a conversation that I think my audience probably doesn't, they know a little bit about. I talk about it and just how it's inevitable where you have a coach and you have a player um, that at some point it's going to come to the end. I mean, I, I think back to how many times Butch Harmon, who you know very well and worked under for a long time, who I want to ask you about, um, how many times he was fired. He's the most successful coach of all time. And here's Butch Harmon that gets, gets fired by Tiger and Phil and Ernie. And, you know, I mean, just the list goes on and on. It's like it's almost – I don't want to say it's inevitable, but but, but it's, it's just part of the business that you live in having so many players – and I know you worked with Gary Woodland for a long time. You guys split last week. Um, just, Justin, give us a little insight, just how that works, you know, as a coach on tour and when those things go down and then how you rebound from that, how you view that moving forward. Well, I think, you know, Butch always helped me to, you know, he, he would say in a fairly abrupt way, he would say, well, you know, you're hired to be fired. I go, okay, well, that's that's fine. But then, you know, he, he would, he would from that little segue, he would say, listen, your, your job is to embark on a professional and a personal relationship with a player where when they entrust you to help them, you do your very best to help them, knowing that that time will begin and it will end. And if you treat them correctly and, and respectfully and become friends with them and that personal relationship begins, that personal relationship will extend long after the professional relationship ends. And, you know, I always thought about that and, and I, I know it's... Um, you know, you always think to yourself, well, you know, there, 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 there are things that could be handled differently. And, and, and I'm sure from, from various players' perspectives that, you know, there, there are always ways to do things differently. But I'm very lucky that I've had, you know, Charles Schwartzel and I, you know, we, we parted ways after a year and a bit together. And, and Charles and I are great friends. We talk mm-hmm. about golf. We, we still talk about his golf swing a little bit. You know, Gary and I had a really good conversation on Thursday where he, you know, he just feels, you know, he, he he's still got Pete Klein working with his short game, less, you know, talking to Butch a little bit about his long game. And then I was kind of inserted into that. And Gary just said to me, look, he said, I just need a very clear, direct, you know, route back to, to being one of the better ball strikers in the world. He said, I think Butch is going to help me with that. And I, I encouraged him because, you know, you and I play golf. We know how hard it is listening to, you know, one person, let alone two or three per- people who probably all have a, a valuable input. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still texting with, with, with Gary's caddy and I was told to see him play well um, last week. You know, it, it was it was a difficult assignment. He'd, I think he'd um, 
he'd lost a little too much weight through the COVID um, lockdown and he came out and his left hip was bothering him. So, you know, from a personal point of view, you know, I wonder whether I, I, I got Gary at his best, but I do think that he, he he's a little bit better after me helping him than before. And, and really that's all we can, if we can hope for that, plus the, the ongoing personal relationship, then I, you know, then I think we do our job. Yeah. It's a, uh... Yeah, it's not personal, right? I mean, at least it's business it isn't most of the time. I mean, I'm sure there's times where it, it may get to that, but it's just business, right? I mean, these guys, um, it's uh, they're the one that, uh, and there's you almost have to. How can I say this? Like for the player, like they've got to protect their ego a little bit too, right? And there's that's part of it. Well, you know, and that's that's one of one of the, the difficulties with any player who who goes into some sort of little slump. You know, that they always remember where they were at the very peak of their powers and where they are can often be quite a long ways from, from where they, where they need to get back to. And the, the road mm-hmm. back um, is can often be a long, longish road. And, and I think in, uh, you know, in Gary's case, I think he's very, very close to getting back to where he needs to be. Uh, it's been fantastic to see Jordan Spieth who, you know, has had such a great relationship with Cameron McCormick over the years and the guys at Altus. And I listened to a recent podcast of his and, you know, he talked about, the fact that you know he had to ask a few questions of, of other people, he had to very much look inwardly, and uh, you know he kept that team around him, and you know he's uh, he's he's back to back to being Jordan Spieth, and I think golf's you know golf's great with Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and Gary Woodland all playing well. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. I mean, it's these comebacks are amazing. I I, I hope Ricky Fowler can somehow muster a bit of a comeback and and start to play well again, and of course then you got Tiger out there and healing up, but it's certainly encouraging to see Jordan get back after three years, Rory to get back after, what was it? 16 months, I think just over yeah. 16 months. Um, you know, and then Gary's kind of working his way back. Things are bubbling up. The PGA is near before we talk about that. I want to talk about your relationship with Butch Harmon. Um, and just when you observe Butch, we know that Butch doesn't teach one golf swing. We know that he is really, he epitomizes, I think what is coaching, Right coaching share with us a couple traits that you you really maybe picked up from him that you find yourself you know adapting and doing with your coaching every day um i remember going to vegas from dubai one of the years and uh, ricky fowler was actually there working with butch and they're in a bunker and ricky was hitting these bunker shots they're kind of he was wiping across them a little bit and they were a little inconsistent and i remember you know i was i was doing a lot of uh TPI training at the time and I'm talking to Pete Kyle about the perfect bunker shots and all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, I'd, I'd like Ricky to get down into the sand and I'd probably get him to set his right elbow and his right wrist a little differently and I'd get him to shallow things and all this kind of stuff. And which, which walked in the bunker and he, he said, Ricky, he said, he, he drew a, he drew an arrow in the sand to the left of the flag. He says, you're hitting the sand that direction. You need to hit the sand in this direction, drew an arrow in front of the ball towards the target. And Ricky came in and he shallowed down his elbow plane and set his right wrist slightly differently and got his shaft plane down. And I thought, Butch Harmon just did all of the, like the eight technical things I wanted to do. He did it by drawing an arrow in the sand and just, you know, stopping this guy on his tracks and telling him to do something differently. But I think that, that <laughs> that's really the genius of him. Is uh, And it, it's seen as a, I think some people, you know, it's almost, you know, could be criticized sometimes that, oh, it's too simple. Well, you know, Ricky Fowler that year, I remember looking back, was number one on the bunker stats. And I, I thought to myself, well, you know, too simple. Once the players get it, because, we, you know, we're dealing with great players. And if they can, if you can get them to do something without telling them too much, or perhaps even without telling them anything at all, making it their idea, 
then all of a sudden they own it and they can run with it. I think that's where Butch really has been the master of, you know, even being able to um, inject just a little idea into a player's mind about the way he might like to do something and then just walk away and then he'll tell a story about, you know, the New York Giants or something. And then, you know, then, you know, 15 minutes later, the players, the players doing it. So, you know, I would say he's a, he's a master psychologist. Um, his family and he are immersed in golf. I've been very, very fortunate enough that he's, uh, you know, he's treated me like a, like a son, to be honest. And he's, um, he's, he's, he's always been on the phone for me. He's always answered any texts I have. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's had the success that he's had. And uh, I, I think his ongoing stature in golf, you know, would probably only be made better by a, by a place in the hall of fame. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but mm-hmm. I think those of us who understand golf would probably think that he'd be a, be a worthy inclusion. Oh yeah. I mean, he would be the, the teacher for, that certainly would go in there. Right. Uh, and what he's done and he, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he would, he would have the tough conversation, right? I mean, he would look, the player in the face and say, look, this is what you need to do. And maybe if he was getting pushed back, like he would stand his ground. This is, you know, here's the deal. Right. And there's, there's times where you have to have that tough conversation with a player, whether they're maybe slipping one way or the other, and they're not putting the time in. I think back to maybe some of the stories with, you know, John Daly, when he kind of walked away from that, yeah. and John wasn't putting the time in and Butch was like, I'm out, you know, yeah. and, and then Ricky Fowler and kind of challenged him to work harder and, less of all this extracurricular stuff over here and more about the meat and potatoes over here and being a professional. Um, is that accurate with Butch that he would, he'd lay it on the line for the guys and say, Hey, look, here's the deal. I think, I think that's very accurate. I think that, you know, I always reflect on, you know, young coaches, you know, some of the lads that, that uh, helped me at the golf school in Dubai who are fantastic and they're in their, you know, they're in their early thirties, some of them, you know, still, and I'm 45 years old. And I think that, um, again, something we don't think about that much is the fact that, you know, when, when you get into your, let's say, late 50s, 60s and 70s, you're in a situation where people rightly uh, perceive you as having so much world experience that you can really begin to instruct people from, a, from an experience standpoint. And, you know, yeah. that goes right back through the annals of time. And I think Butch has done a fantastic job of being that father figure who they can who can talk to them in a way that even if he's given them a, a real proper like dressing down that they can still go, okay, well, this is Butch and he's doing this because he cares and he's doing this because mm-hmm. he's seen. It's a little harder, you know, you know, like, um, you know, without going into too finite details, you know, Louie and I are working this last couple of days and I'm just trying to illustrate to Louie that, you know, at, at his stage at 38 years old, from an athletic standpoint, there's going to be a deterioration of speed and strength. Uh, which will deteriorate things like club head speed and power. Um, there are ways to there are ways to to mitigate that with your training systems and some things that you're doing. And you know, I illustrate that through statistical analysis and through emails, which we then sit down and, and talk about. But you know, at, at my stage at 45, I'm only seven years older than Louis. I mean, maybe when I'm 65, God willing, I'm yeah. still doing this. That I'll be able to just sit down and say, "Listen, you got to get back to doing this, this, and this, and this is what's going to happen." And that, you know, again, that makes the process somewhat simpler. Do you ever feel like you're just kind of sometimes, you know, you, you work with one of these guys and you, you kind of, <laughs> like, in in a weird way, you just kind of do a complete circle sometimes. You know, like you 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 want to like you want to get to this point, but then as you go down this path and you feel like here's where we're going to go and here's how we're going to implement it. And then you get pushed, then you get, you know, the, you, you get the interaction with the player who has an opinion and who has thoughts. 
and the caddy and whoever else is involved. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're like, God, how do we get over here? You know? And then you're like trying to work yourself back around. This is where we, you know? And it's like, sometimes you're just like, man, we finally arrived, but that was a little more painful than, than I was hoping for. Is that accurate at times where you're just like, man, this is a tough job and we're just trying to go this way. And sometimes it can go in a complete circle to get there. I mean, you've got to, you've got to trust that the path that you feel like they need to tread is the path that, you know, that is going to help them to become more successful. You know, I think that's, again, that's something that stats have helped me an awful lot with, you know, I can, Mm. I can pull up every player I've worked with and I can say, listen, is this player from when I started, is he the same? Is he better or is he worse? And it's, you know, it's, it's quite nice, you know, and, and, and quieter times to look at some of those things and go, okay, most of these people get better and that's, that's factual, you know? So um, I think you're right. I think it can be quite circular in nature. I think quite oftentimes human beings are kind of like that. They deviate away from the things that they know that they should do. And if you can help them to deviate back again, then you can, you know, achieve (laughs) success with them. Um, I I enjoy the psychology of it. I, you know, I enjoy the interaction with human beings and I, I've always been interested in human movement and the golf swing is probably one of the more complicated uh, human movements that we have on, the planet earth outside of some martial arts and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I remain, I remain fascinated by it all. So we got the PGA championship coming up. Um, Kiwa Island. I can't wait. Pete died design. Uh, I've never been there. I've watched a lot of stuff on it. Of course, I've watched uh, some tournaments on it mm-hmm. as well. The Ryder cup, which the golf course is very different now. Uh, at least it appears as far as uh, the, the amount of room there is on the golf course to drive the golf ball. Um, but it's just a, Pete Dye to me is my favorite. It's, it's so interesting off the tee. It's, it's, you know, that he plays minds with you as far as the angles gives you so many options, but these greens are like really pushed up. I mean, they're really elevated up in the yeah. air. So not only are they difficult to hit, but because they're pushed up, the wind is going to really, they're really exposed, right? So putting, and we talk about wind, Justin, I mean, it's really putting is, more difficult to manage when you get that 2025 20, going than it is hitting an approach shot into the greens for the guides oftentimes, isn't it? I think to your point about being exposed when, when that's, if you've got a golf course, it's really exposed. You know, we were talking at sea Island cause we have the seaside course at sea Island, which is really, you know, somebody said to me, it's like a mini Kiowa, you know, so mm. it's Kiowa is a big, big, big golf course. And, and there's, you know, Harris English and Brian Harmon flew up there uh, before the Quail Hollow tournament, they said, you know, there's a lot of big boys, par fours, four, nine, fives, five, oh, fives, these sorts of things. So, you know, but to your point about, you know, putting in those exposed um, elements, you know, it, it really does make it very, very difficult to both remain, remain composed and to execute because uh, the only thing I would say, you know, having watched Quail Hollow where you had that gusty wind, I mean, those gusty yeah. winds are even worse. I mean, at, at least at the at the seaside and back at Lynx courses we used to play on, you know, it was the wind's pretty much the same all the time. Mm-hmm. So at least you can get, begin to try to predict what it's going to be doing. And, you know, if you can remain stable, um, you know, within your stance and, and the way that you go about your business, then you know, you might be able to do something with it. But there, there's no doubt that, as you, to your point, with those tabletop greens, high winds and, uh, and and very exposed it's going to uh, it's going to it's going to be difficult for a lot of those players yeah you know it's uh it, when you in the wind too like one day it'll be blowing this way and the next day it's going the exact opposite i mean it'll turn around in in one day so uh it'll be interesting and um you know when you go into a tournament this is the last question here just from a 
a preparation standpoint, like the guys are going to go up there. You mentioned Harris English, who you also worked with, who um, had the win earlier in the year, tournament of champions. Um, Brian Harmon's going up there. Uh, Louis in the field, Louis right, in the at, field. The, uh, at, at the PGA championship. Yeah. And these guys go up there and they're going to prep, right? What are, you know, give us a few things that these guys are going to do here when they get on property and they get out and they play. What are two or three things that players do as they start prepping for a golf course? Are they, do they immediately start going to collection areas where they think they're going to start pitching the ball from where they want to miss it? Um, what are the two or three things that are kind of the must do as you prep for a PGA championship up there at Kiwa? I think, um, you know, I think Louis is one of the better course managers that I've ever, I've ever seen. And, you know, that you and I both know, Travis, there's things that you learn from these guys that you really didn't ever do yourself, which is why you're, you're sitting behind a microphone and I'm, you know, driving all around the country. And then, mm -hmm. you know, he, he will go in there and he will try and get nine holes in fairly quickly. Um, he is one player that doesn't like putting to, you know, the, the, the holes that we throw down in the greens and things like that. But when you watch Louis, he'll walk up and he will literally just become quite quiet and just begin to study the green and study the, mm. the environment really. And, and he'll picture a hole location on the back, right. And think about where he would definitely not like to put it. And then you'll, you know, you'll maybe see him, his eyes will move across. And so very much taking in the environment, which I know sounds, um, you know, maybe a little bit too kind of yogic and, and happy like, but you know, when, when, when they start to do that, then they can really start to sense you're going back to your point. Well, where do I want to be? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I think with, with a player like that, you'll find that he will hit a lot of shots, the types of shots that he's going to get. So is the mm -hmm. misses, is the miss going to be in the bunker? What's the bunker like this week? Is the miss going to be in that collection area? Is it a seven wood out of the collection area? How does the patting grow on Pascal? Um, grass next week so how, do, how does that how does that react what wedges am i going to have to make any changes about so am i going to have to do anything to you know to, to make sure that i'm adapting correctly to those conditions am i going to try and hit a lot of greens this week am i going to have to do a lot of long putting you know and you'll find with those more experienced players that, the, that then the the next two to three days begins to have some sort of purpose from a from a preparation perspective as to what the golf course is going to ask from them um, and I think, uh, you know, I think certainly, you know, others will, will throw the, they'll throw the fake holes out and, you know, look at the most likely hole locations and put a lot of balls from the, from the middle of the green and things like that. And, you know, it certainly changes, uh, you know, I remember going to St. Andrews for the open that, uh, that Zach won in 2015 and it was just blowing so hard. And I'm, I'm walking, you know, and I'm, I'm, t I'm working a bit on, on the European tour and things at that point and across to America. So, I've, you know, I, I know the players tendencies and stuff, and I just walked, you know, Jason Day was there, Tiger was there, Lee Westwood was hitting balls, and, and they were the trajectory change from all of the players. Like they they lit, they were all hitting like mid irons, and their mid irons had almost come like fifteen to twenty five feet out of the sky compared to what I was used to seeing with them. And it's mm. a testament to their, you know, incredible skill that they were kind of instinctively knowing that okay, we're going to have to take this flight down a little bit this week. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. And I, I tell you, uh, walking a practice round. And hitting short game shots, you could charge admission with with Brian Harmon. I mean, mm -hmm. that guy's like that guy's crazy. It's it's ridiculous how good he is around the greens. Um, those wet shots. I think last week he was like positive six or seven around the greens, and I mean he's 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 amazing. So, well, you guys so are funny, um, a funny quick a funny quick note on that. We had yeah, a, and Brian's talked about it a little bit. I, I went on you know I look at their I look at their numbers a lot. And I went on 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 Brian's at the, the sort of the February time March time. 
is that you're gaining 0.18 of a stroke around the green. And without any disrespect to any other PGA Tour players, who, who even who may be watching, I said, Brian, you know, you're, that's really your, your short game performance is really poor with that, with that type of number. So, you know, we're going to have to get back to work at it. And we, uh, we got dug in, you know, at, at, up at uh, the Golf Performance Center and, and we did a lot of, like, I'm not t- teaching him any technique when it comes to yeah. short game. It's just like we're doing these performance tests over and over again and he's he's having to, to you know, we're doing a lot of worse ball stuff and he's having to bring those parameters in and I'm challenging him more and more and more. The, our superintendent made the, made the facility really quick before Augusta, which I think really helped him. Mm. Um, and and to, it's been a really interesting thing, Travis, trying to take those players who kind of already know what they're doing technically you know these guys are are brilliant golfers and to try and help their level improve by making their practice more efficient which is mm. you know again going back to what i said about butch you know if you can you can help people to you know get better without feeling like they're having to change a lot about their swing then i think you're in, in a sweet spot of what we do well i'm going to ask you one favor and if, if it's a no i re- you're not going to hurt my feelings you can't hurt it um but i'd love to get butch on because the stripe show is made for Butch too. And uh, I think he'd be, he'd be fascinated to come on and just talk golf instruction, you know? Well, so I will definitely pass. I will definitely pass it on. I know that uh, <laughs> were, were he to, were he to get on, you would get some amazing nuggets. And, oh. uh, you know, people would, uh, people would very much enjoy him because he's uh, the simplicity, the viewpoints that he can give and, and he can give like a, a quick answer to something. You think, well, how was it? Well, how did I feel, feel that was so complicated? He made it so simple, but he's, <laughs> yeah, a, he's right. a master. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. I love your work and uh, you guys are playing well. Thank you for coming on and all the best this week to the guys. And are you going to Kiwa? I mean, are you heading up? I'm going up to the, I'm going up to guys, my wife's birthday Sunday. Um, so we're going to have a little little birthday celebration here. Then okay. I'm going to travel up first thing Monday morning, and uh, I'll be I'll be there all week. Okay, great. Well, best of luck up there, and um, thanks for coming back on the pod, and we'll, we'll do it again soon. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder, and you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com.